Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Welcome back to any returning listeners and hello to all the new listeners that you might have here with us today. Today we are on to episode number 48 and we are going to be talking about firsts. So first sentence, first scene, first paragraph, first chapters, that kind of thing. Should be interesting. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. I feel like Ashley is much better at first than what I am. (laughs) Generally speaking, that's one of her strengths. I feel like my strengths lie towards the end more than the start. But You do write very good endings. Mm, Maybe we'll have to do a one on endings at one point, even it out. Next time we can go from first to last. Yep. But before we get into that, we should probably let you all know how our writing's been going. So how has the month been for you, Ashley? It's been, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds super sure. We've been in lockdown this whole time. So I was kind of having trouble with the sitting down to write thing, mostly because I've been having to do a lot of writing for work. Well, all I can do is write for work. And my house is not very big. So all I do is write from work in, you know, my living room or my dining room or my bedroom, whatever, to like five o'clock. And then I'm like, oh, I could write now. And like, don't go anywhere else. I just kind of like open another document. So I was kind of struggling with that a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I did manage to get some stuff done. So I finished the chapter that I was working on last time, the one that I had written ahead of Sarah and then had to go back and then finish once she got the chapter to me. So that was okay. Ended up working out all right. And I'm about, I'm actually almost 3,000 chapters through the following chapter. 3,000 words through. Yeah. 3,000 chapters. <laughs> oh my God. 3,000 words. 3,000 words. So that one's nearly done. I've got one, well, quite substantial plot point to go, but it's getting there. So that's been good. I've also been doing a lot of getting a lot of feedback and giving a lot of feedback because my writing group has made a sub, a sec, we've called it the secret novel writing club, a subgroup. <laughs> it's six of us who are all writing a novel and we are meeting bi-weekly and sharing the chapters in order and providing feedback on them, which has been very good. We've done three chapters so far, obviously all from the same novel, and I think it's been working a lot better because previous critique groups would just be like a random chapter that you're working on at the time so it's good for like instant feedback on that specific chapter but it doesn't I'd get a lot of questions about motivations and things and I'm like well you're reading chapter like 23 or something (laughs) you know we've had 23 chapters of backstory on this character so I don't know if the backstory is going to come through or not but this is it well you know this is what's happened so far so it'll be really good to have feedback you know six lots about five lots of feedback like I guess in order 
of the chapters and also from other writers' perspectives as well, which is always good. So I think it's been it's going to be very useful for us. Yeah. And especially having it at the first draft stage as well, because it gives us a chance to make some corrections before we send it as like a whole document to beta readers, which will be, I think, quite beneficial for us as well. <laughs> Getting a bit of a heads up on some of the plot holes and, you know, things that aren't quite coming across correctly so yeah been quite good what about you Sarah I am in a bit of a stagnant phase in my writing at the moment and I thought that I was getting more productive and then COVID (laughs) no I didn't I didn't get COVID just to be clear but as many of you know I am an operating room nurse and the fourth wave of COVID has been awful from a nursing perspective, it has been absolutely terrible. I can imagine. Oh my God. Our hospitals are like more swamped than they were ever with any of the previous waves. There's like no room in ICUs. Basically everyone, but like a small portion of our workforce in the operating rooms, which I am still in the operating rooms, but a lot of other people have been moved to help out in ICU or other wards in the hospital. And we're only running one room um, at a time. It's like life or limb surgeries and that's it. So it's been a huge change and it's just very stressful because you don't know what your schedule is going to be because they've changed it around like so much like you you might look at it one day and then literally the next day it'll be different so so it sounds so difficult it is and you know like I've been coping with some other stuff and then been super tired and then on top of that I've also been doing like evening shifts on call which And like, I don't mind working like evenings or nights, but I prefer it to be a short amount of time where you know when you're going home, whereas the on-call, you don't know when you're going home. So like on Monday, I worked from 3.30 p.m. I had a couple of breaks in my usual shift hours, which my shift ended at like around 11.30. And then because I was on call, we stayed until 5 a.m. And that was basically without breaks. I mean, we did have like short periods of downtime kind of in between, but not really any, any breaks or anything. So I got home and slept the rest of the day and it it does kind of like. It throws off your routine and everything. Yeah. Because you're, you know, you plan things for your days off. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I might get started on this writing, da, 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 da. And then you're like, actually, no, I'm sleeping the entire day. (laughs) So it has been a bit tricky and rough and I would highly recommend just being you know an advocate for health and things and I know that not everyone wants to hear this but if you are unvaccinated I'd highly recommend being vaccinated because the majority of people that we see coming in through ICU is unvaccinated or only partially vaccinated and it is spreading like wildfire out there (laughs) let me tell you I will second I will second that point. Um, our lockdown has been a result of us for various reasons, our population not having very high vaccination rates. So I would definitely get be- get behind that for sure, please. Yes. So anyways, I think we can probably move on. I, I did start, actually, before we do, I did start a chapter. <laughs> it's like all I've done in a month is like a couple hundred words. I'm like, hey, yeah, I started a chapter. Better than not starting a chapter. We did also get, I mean, as Ashley was saying, she was getting feedback from her writing group and they 
requested to see my half as well so that they get the whole storyline and rather than sort of drips and drabs with Ashley's chapters. Um, so I've been seeing to feedback as well as we go and that's been really helpful and gave me a bit of a boost earlier today. So, so maybe it'll be a bit of motivation. Yeah, it definitely has been. You know, I read through the feedback that Ashley sent me a chapter today and I was like, hey, it was a lot better than what I expected. So I was very happy with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things that need to be changed and I 100% agree with the comments they made. I was like, yeah, totally <laughs> see that. Yeah, like, definitely. They're like, you know, oh, it feels very fast paced. And I was like, typical of my chapters, typical. <laughs> I do need to get a bit better at trying to slow things down. That's always been a, a point that I've struggled with. So it's good to see. It is first draft though. So it's not like they're seeing second or third drafts. Like this is very, fairly raw. Like some of the chapters still don't have character names. <laughs> Unnamed characters yeah. don't have ages. Um, so that's a thing as well. So mm-hmm. it was good. They've been enjoying the story overall, which I think is a, is a relief. Because you're never sure, you know, when you first put your new stories out there like is it gonna hit right like have we done this right or is it gonna fall flat like what's gonna happen but they seem very engaged in it yeah so looking forward to seeing what they think about some of the chapters coming up because some interesting things happen yes Alrighty, let's move on to our main discussion which i have well which sarah just talked about in the intro is all about firsts so like she said the first sentence the first paragraph or scene the first chapter first introductions to our character and even we have included the first book in a series and I don't think anyone would argue against this that all of these firsts are quite important in your novel really important elements that are required to make your book work really well and also to grip your readers from the moment that they start reading because if you can't grip them then well they're not going to finish the book so saying that the easiest and probably most logical place to start would be with the opening sentence. We've kind of briefly covered this uh, in a previous episode. I think it was more about setting though. So I thought we'd go over it again anyways, just focusing on the very first line and how we go about writing the opening sentence in our novels. Also what we think an opening line should have and if we have any tips or tricks or anything that we think might help you out when you're writing yours. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Actually, I was thinking that perhaps you should go first because ah, some sure. of the things I'm going to refer to include the examples that you're going to use. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't mind going first at all. So I think for me personally, and this is, well, it, I think it is fairly general but especially when I'm reading books and when I'm writing them, I really, really like the first sentence to be intriguing and to present a situation that is going to make the reader ask a lot of questions. I don't know what other people think of this, but that's just my personal opinion. And I also, on top of that, there's quite a lot of, you know, things that need to be in the first sentence. I also feel like it needs to be in the right voice of your character because it's setting the tone for the rest of the whole book, basically. So I have a few examples here. I thought I'd go through the first sentences of our first three books in our teen fiction series, just because it doesn't actually give anything away. So thought, why not share them? So the first sentence for when the rain falls is New Zealand used to be a place people wanted to live. I like it because one, a lot of questions. 
mostly why don't people want to live there anymore? What's happened? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, oh, interesting. So for the second, our second book, The Price of Pandemonium, the first sentence is, home was the last place I wanted to be, which I actually took quite a few stabs at that one, which I'll come to, I think, after. But also, again, more questions. Why don't you want to be at home? Because most people think of home, mm-hmm. you know, as somewhere safe, warm, inviting. Exactly. Especially if you're calling it home. So raises questions, you know, why isn't it? What's happened to it? A lot of, you know, intrigue, hopefully. And for Darkness Set Us Free, which is the third book, um, the first sentence is, it was a damp New Zealand winter when the first omen of war came rolling to my doorstep. Again, lots of interesting stuff raised in that one as well. Yeah, we, we can we can continue and talk about that one a bit later. Yes. It's one of the ones that I want to talk about is... Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, there's the first sentences of our three books. So to continue on about, you know, opening sentences and everything, you might ask, you know, how to come up with a first sentence. I have, I guess, three tips for it. My first one would be write at last. <laughs> so after you finish your first draft, go back or any drafts really, go back and address your first, I guess, paragraph in general, because you'll have a lot better handle on the voice and you'll know a lot more about the entirety of the story. So you can start to come up with a sentence kind of encompassing everything that you want to get across. And that kind of leads into my second tip, which is to figure out the tone you want to set. So for us, because it's multi-perspective, we really need to choose something that represents the character that's you know giving us that first chapter and we had a lot of trouble with this because some things just don't work with certain characters so that does well for us it does kind of not limit but it just means it takes a little bit of time to find the exact sentence that works best and also I guess in that same vein I kind of figure out the questions you want the reader to ask about your book which is sort of what we did we were like what do we want to get across here mostly and ours was that we wanted it to make the readers think that there's something different about this about our world basically so which is why that's the sentence that we chose for the first book anyways Mm -hmm. not gonna go a lot into the second one because it will probably give too much away I think and number three uh brainstorm for when the rain falls first line we went through so many first sentences both Sarah and I I'd say at least maybe 15 renditions of that first paragraph and the first line as well and when I wrote the first line for Price of Pandemonium I also had a whole word document as well of multiple different first lines just trying to get the tone right and I did write because the first chapter for Price of Pandemonium we redid after the book was complete so I was writing the whole new chapter so I actually wrote the whole chapter first and then went back and did the first sentence and first paragraph again once I had it written down because I was like it wasn't quite right at the start but then we got there in the end I think what did you think Sarah well I think the opening line needs to do several things and obviously as you've said draw the readers in is the biggest job you've got to capture their attention so they stay but it also as you said needs to match the tone of the book I think if you create the first line that isn't indicative of what the rest of the book is going to be like readers who do stay to read more are going to feel let down when they get further on I think it's especially important to consider your genre at this point which is one of the reasons why 
sometimes it's better to wait until the end until you can really nail that first line because you know you don't necessarily know fully what genre you're writing in until the end sometimes <laughs> yes. um, as we discovered you know we we struggled to place our book within a genre because it, it was one of those ones where we felt it was fairly cross genre but you know like we did in the end come up with something that I feel gives the reader an idea of what it's going to be like like I remember for the first book there was one option that was written brilliantly but the feeling that it gave me was that I was about to start a journey on a zombie apocalypse <laughs> novel fair enough and I mean like not I mean that was being quite critical you probably could have gotten away with it but it wouldn't have been a great opening and if I had that feeling then I think some other people are going to have that feeling as well so it wasn't the right line and the one we came up with in the end you know it did work but out of the examples that Ashley gave my thoughts are that the stronger ones are punchy and short but spark big questions so for me that's the first two and just to say it again you know New Zealand used to be a place people wanted to live and home was the last place I wanted to be versus the third one it was a damp New Zealand winter when the first omen of war came rolling to my doorstep. I I wrote that one <laughs> and I'm not 100% happy with it. We are still in the editing phases of Darkness Set Us Free. Yeah. And I think that one's probably too long. It doesn't provide much more than the setting and the fact that a war has started. And for the third book in particular, where most of the readers already know about the war I think this first line could be much improved like it doesn't really give any questions about what's happening so I think that one has got to change in the future when we get back to editing mm. it's free at some point yeah but yeah so that's kind of my thoughts um so I don't know if that's super helpful didn't have like nicely laid out tips or anything but yeah I do think short and punchy makes questions I was just I think it gave a good comparison. Mm. I feel like I do that quite a lot with first lines as I make them too long. I'm trying to get across too much. And then <laughs> later I realize that it's too long. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not punchy enough. <laughs> I know what you mean. You don't want your readers have to like struggle through the first sentence. Like you don't want readers to have to do that. To be fair, both the for when the rain falls and price of pandemonium, we rewrote the entire first chapters pretty much. Yeah quite a few edits later like it wasn't even after the mm, first that's edit. what I mean it's still kind of in the phases of editing darkness yeah history, so like I haven't even addressed the beta reader comments yet in yeah. that one so anyways we, we can move on so once you've got what you feel like is your first sentence nailed down you obviously need to start expanding that into your opening scene or opening paragraph which is probably well equally as important as the first sentence because if it you know only a couple sentences in um, and if it's no good there's every chance your reader might just be like nah not for me and put that book down which isn't ideal obviously so again maybe we can go into what we think these opening paragraphs opening scenes should have and what we think is important to include in them and any tips that we might have about it mm -hmm. um, do you want to go Sarah sure so the really crucial thing is to hook the readers further provide more questions and give the reader a connection to the character. 
And through the character's voice or events in the first paragraph, we have to be given a reason to care about the character. It doesn't mean immediately giving everything away, but ask yourself what it would be like to be in the reader's shoes. Why is this character important to the story? And also, I feel like the first paragraph is a brilliant place to link to the ending. In my opinion, the best books create kind of an echo from the start to the end. And I don't want to give away what happens in each of our books. So I'm not going to give an example of like the start and then the end. But <laughs> sometimes this is done unknowingly. Ashley and I certainly didn't set out to link the start and the endings of each of the books together, or at least not these first ones, because I'm, you know, we're still learning about this. But there are definite comparisons you can make, which make the beginning and the end quite strong through using this technique. And in a series, you want to make sure that they link, however loosely with the previous book's ending or it's not going to feel connected as well like just continuing on um, talking about links and that was one of the complaints from our beta readers that the beginning of the second book didn't hook in um, after the first one at an appropriate point of time yeah <laughs> which is why we wrote that first chapter again I think they were definitely right as well though at the start we were kind of like oh but it makes sense and then when you thought about well, them, we were like oh actually <laughs> I, no, I can see both sides of it because, you know, you when you're starting a second book in a series, you don't have to start it like immediately after the first book, like where the first book ends. But there were certain things created with our ending that meant it made more sense for it to start right after. And I'm not going to say why that is. But. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. It made more sense and like when we reorganized it and re-looked at it, we were like, oh yeah, this could be stronger if we do it this way and the readers will probably feel more satisfied this way. So you don't always have to, but in some situations it can be useful to consider just what the most appropriate point is to start your next novel. Definitely. It worked out well for us anyways. The first chapter is a lot stronger now and post-pandemonium having inserted an entire new chapter basically is what happened. Yeah. And also I guess randomly continuing also solved a lot of other problems and because the first chapter was originally way too long, way too long. So <laughs> it enabled us to cut a lot out of it, which made it a lot more appropriate length as well. So helpful in two aspects. Yes. So what do you think about the first paragraph, Ashley? I think the first paragraph for me should really I've written bolster the question posed in the first sentence and really nail down the setting and the tone and by setting I don't mean like the weather and a description of I don't know the building they're in and things like that but just getting the reader in the time place and atmosphere as fast as you possibly can so at the start in our like update section I was mentioning my writing critique group and this is one issue I've seen in quite a few of their novels. In a few examples, there's no mention of setting until like the second page. And by then, you as a reader have already invented an image of what the setting's like because you haven't been provided with anything. And then they start providing you details, which are then like contradictory to what you've imagined based on the tone of the novel that they've started to write. So... I think it's quite important 
to get just some basic elements of where the book is as fast as you possibly can Mm -hmm. obviously you're not just going to like dump setting in but just like little things so people can start to imagine you know what's where it's taking place so yes that's one interesting thing that's come out of the critique session and second obviously like reinforcing your tone or the style and voice of your protagonist as well which is I guess really important for us because it's first person in particular you like to kind of know what you're in for, I guess. And the, you know, the tone of the book, what the tone of the book's going to be like. Because the last thing you want to do is write a first, you know, a couple paragraphs that don't fit with the rest of your book at all. Like you, it doesn't sound like your character or anything like that. So it's important to I guess, establish that at the very start, which is why I would suggest writing this at the end or at least revisiting it once your entire novel is written because you'll know your character's tone or your novel's tone by then hopefully (laughs) Um, so you can go back and look and be like oh actually you know this really doesn't sound like the rest of the book so you can sort of change it Mm -hmm. and then I guess with respects to making sure you I guess bolster the questions that you've posed from your first line you don't want to have a really great opening line and then have it just die. Yeah. You really want to, well, at least I think, you know, keep the reader engaged and keep them, you know, curious and asking more questions. So we've shared the first paragraph of When the Rain Falls before. So I just thought I'd share the next, the next lines. So the first sentence was, as you've heard, New Zealand used to be a place people wanted to live. And then it goes into... If you looked hard enough, you could imagine why beneath the weed-choked lawns, potholed roads, and houses crumbling from disrepair lay a country that could have been rebuilt if it was given the chance, but we were left to rot, shunned by the rest of the world. Um, So that's what When the Rain Falls goes into, which I think does do a lot of the things that we aimed for, which was mostly setting the scene. It was surprisingly difficult to get the fact that it's in New Zealand in there without it being weird and cheesy. <laughs> I think that might be more our perspective though as well, just being yeah. New Zealanders. We're not used to seeing our, our country. Our country the, Britain. <laughs> yeah, appear in novels and things. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, because a few of them you're like, mm, I don't know, like it just, a lot of the previous felt jarring, I guess. So at least this, I could get behind the version that's there. It's not too... Like, it's in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yeah, so that's my thoughts about the first paragraph. And if we move on to the next obvious section, which would be the first chapter, which obviously has a number of critical roles in your novel. And it also has to continue to keep a nice tight hold on your reader so they don't put it down. So I thought we could go over some important things the first chapter has to address and how we sort of plan out our first chapters and uh, then go about writing them and whether we have any tips or anything. Sarah? Uh, The tone of your book and the genre of your story is going to define how you write that beginning chapter. Some genres begin a little slower than others, but something every book should do by the end of the first chapter is compel the reader above all to turn the page and read the next chapter. So I feel like we're repeating ourselves a lot with this episode, but questions, questions, more questions. (laughs) If the readers don't have questions about what's going to happen, 
then they aren't going to bother reading on. It's like opening a book and realizing you've actually read this a billion times before. Um, you already know what's going to happen, so why bother? There has to be some unique element to your story that creates this yearning desire to keep reading. Um, so I would think about fresh ways to approach your plot elements, um, brainstorm the possible ways you could produce a unique and exciting situation. So rather than just accepting something being like, hey, yeah, it would be cool if I had a character, they're walking along and then suddenly they get abducted, I don't know, by two men in a white van. You're like, okay, well, maybe we want to roll with this random abduction story, but two men in a white van is pretty cliche. So, you know, how about it's someone they know and they weren't expecting it? Like, maybe it's a woman maybe maybe it's even a child like abducting an adult somehow like if you start thinking about the different ways you can do something and you know you're going to have an overall plot that you want to work towards so some things aren't going to work but at the same time there is more than one way to get to that point so rather than just accepting the first thing that comes into your mind, which is often cliche, then I would encourage uh, writers to try and push further to find something that is really going to engage the readers and make them think, oh, I haven't read this before. This is a bit of a weird situation. You know, what's going to happen next? So that's kind of my tips, I guess, on continuing to hold the reader's attention for that first chapter. Well, as you kind of said, we really sort of did this, I guess, retrospectively, because we had a lot of issues with our the first chapters and When the Rain Falls and Price of Pandemonium, since we basically rewrote them, both of them, mm -hmm. uh, quite late in the piece as well, just because we didn't feel like they were obviously achieving what we wanted them to achieve, especially not that the original chapter from When the Rain Falls was like cliche or anything. We just felt like we could do it better, make it more interesting, have it start not as obvious <laughs> I think we wanted it to be more authentic yeah in the way that it started so we made a number of changes to do that and I think sometimes creating a strange situation which hooks the readers is about creating a very normal situation and then enhancing the stuff that comes up that's really abnormal and we weren't doing that very well in our first renditions. It started off with a bang, sure, but there wasn't... It's like a heavy-handed bang, though. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't subtle in the way that you couldn't see the normality. And I think seeing the normality to move from a place where the character is comfortable at the start and then, you know, they're going through an event and something happening, you have to set that this is normal for the character kind of beginning. To the setting so I think that was something that we improved a lot with the first chapter yes yes I agree I guess if I continue on about I guess sort of what I feel a first chapter should have there are many many things so I'm not going to obviously go through all of them but I think the I guess the big three would be having your protagonist be introduced but we'll come to that so I'm not going to go into that right now introducing the setting and I've mentioned this already uh, and then presenting some sort of life-changing 
incident that occurs. So I think for me, those are the big three in a first chapter. And if you don't have those things down, I feel like some of the other issues um, are secondary. I would say that you don't have to have the life-changing event necessarily in the first chapter. You know, in a lot of books, it comes a little bit further in maybe your second or third chapter. Uh, But I would say that you definitely need to be building tension towards that and that you need to be creating questions of why you know we are following this character and creating an idea of what the character wants so that you can contrast that and you can get a sense of like things that even though things are looking well for the character at this point they're not necessarily as they seem yes kind of like something's going to happen Mm -hmm. it's not just like a I guess I was gonna say bland normal like there's a reason why you chose yeah. this point in the character's life to start your story. So yeah. you have to be providing the readers of a sense of that, of why they're beginning the story here and what is important about this moment in the character's life. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Right. I've talked about setting in the previous two, but I'm just put it simply. If the reader can't picture where or when they are, you might need to rework your first chapter. <laughs> put it like that. And Again, having gone through some quite a lot of first chapters in my novel critiquing group, I can say that when it's not there, it's quite obvious. And often, sometimes as a writer, you you have the image in your mind and you can sometimes forget to share that, I think, with your reader. Remember a couple of comments that I've made, I've been like, you know, you've mentioned this item, I I don't know where it is. And like, oh, it's, you know, it's on the bedside table um, in the bedroom because she's sitting on the bed. And I was like, ah. You never mentioned any of this. I didn't even realize like they were in a bedroom or things like that. And then, Mm -hmm. which is quite, I guess, jarring to a reader when you don't, you have no idea like what's going on. I also think your your first chapter should be fairly reflective of, I guess, what your book's like. I don't know, not, I don't know if it's super planned, but most of our books are fairly action filled in the first chapter. Not necessarily like you're dropped into the action at the start, but, you know, things happen. And I think that does set the tone for what our books are like. They are, you know, fairly fast. They're fast paced, lots of action. And that I think we make quite clear um, in those first chapters. We don't just make action because of it, though. Like it does, it is thought out and has a purpose and a reason for being there. We're not just like making it up for no reason, just to, you know, add a bit of intrigue. So I guess, like Sarah said, the biggest piece of advice would be just to revisit that chapter at the end. And even if it needs an entire rewrite, like two of ours have, there's nothing wrong with that either, because it's so important that you really want to be able to get it right and have the best chance at having that book your book I guess sit well and grip readers as best as you possibly can Mm -hmm. so the one thing we didn't really talk about in that opening chapter part was the introduction of your I guess usually of your protagonist some instances I guess it might come a little bit later but generally a main character is in your first chapter And it's important to be introducing these uh, protagonists or your main characters in there because, well, there's no story if you don't have any characters, really. So I thought we could talk about how we try and introduce our characters and if we have any tips for, you know, introducing our characters well, which is, I guess, kind of sort of interesting because they're first person, or at least these ones are. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. So I think you need to see the characters' quirks right from the beginning. 
and you know this is usually best accomplished when you know them so writing it again after you've completed your novel is a good way to make sure that you're able to include these character quirks um, and I don't mean just like some people will make a character sheet and they'll you know write down specific character quirks which kind of it does help but I don't think it conveys alone how like the depth of the character that you need to do so even if you have the most detailed character outline I still think coming back and writing that first chapter later works better because things in your character outline can change and it's and your characters can change and they don't always end up on the same page as what you expect them to be so it's usually better if you come back to it because then you have a better idea of what your character arc is going to be and where they're going what they're thinking um, that kind of thing but then also the character age and the way they talk and act can usually tell you straight away the target audience so I would make sure that you're being consistent and matching the needs of your desired target audience and when the rain falls we learn pretty quickly that Dylan is on a break from university so we can immediately see that Dylan and Levi are late teens, they're fairly fresh out of high school, and the first-person narration also gives a strong sense of young adult fiction. I have read books before which are meant to be adult fiction, but the way the characters act and talk are at a level much below adult fiction. So in some cases, people are actually writing even for middle grade, um, which is a totally different ball game. So I would consider how your character can connect to your target audience is a really important point. Definitely. Because you open, you know, when you open a book, if you're opening YA, you're expecting like YA. If I open adult historical fiction, I'm expecting, you know, adult historical fiction or characters that are, you know, mm -hmm. in that, you know, particular eight, some sort of age bracket. So, you know, it can be quite jarring if you open it and then you're like, oh, are they teenagers or you know or opening YA and you're like are they are they 10 like I don't really understand like they feel too young or whatever the case may be yeah and sometimes you know it's not even a case of stating like you, do, you don't need to state you know we're 19 and just out of you know high school or whatever like you use things that's common to that age bracket in order to give a sense of the character's age and part of that is, as I said, the way they talk and the way they act. And if you're not, if you know they're, they're using really short sentences, for example, which isn't always bad, but they're not making like deeper connections, like all, all the connections are fairly shallow. Um, if you do a bit of study on um, childhood developmental sort of milestones, you begin to see some of these things that are relevant to particular age groups like for example until kids are seven they often don't in those middle years of um, primary school where kids finally begin to differentiate like I know you've got a piece of play-doh and you take it apart and you don't have double the play-doh you <laughs> have halved it like they they can't conceptualize it until like a certain point and it's not until children get into adolescence that they start thinking about deeper concepts and thinking more abstractedly than 
what someone might win their 10, for example. So those things are really important to understand. And if you're not getting that through with your characters and the way they're interacting with their world, then it's going to feel like you're reading lower than what the character's age actually might be in your own head. So yeah, that's my tips as, as a nurse, have a look at some developmental <laughs> developmental yeah, childhood books and you might get a better idea and feeling for the ages and stages. It's a very good tip. All right. For me, talking about introducing characters, I would obviously prefer my characters to be, well, I prefer introducing characters as early as you can in a book. And well, our teen fiction series, it's first person. So the voice of our character come, ob- comes through from the first sentence, obviously. So that's incredibly important and gives hopefully gives our readers a strong clue about what these people are like by how they convey their thoughts. And again, we often go back and rewrite the first chapters, often from each character's perspective, once we've written a lot about them, because you know, we've got quite a good handle on their voice by the end of the book. And sometimes you don't quite have that grasp of them at the start. So you go back and you're like, oh, let's not Levi anymore, is it? Or especially <laughs> with new characters, like especially Aaron and Tamati um, in the Darkness Set Us Free, just getting, nailing down their first chapters so that it really sounds like them, <laughs> especially once you've written a lot from their perspectives. Yeah. I guess we often put them in, an interesting interesting in quotes situation or some sort of situation that allows them to show who they are so you don't have to say who they are if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense I think yeah like you're gonna give your characters decisions to make and not every character would make the same decision so yeah at least you know then the reader can start to feel a connection with the character based on the decisions that they're making. I also think that it's quite important to show what your characters are feeling. I wouldn't have said this normally, but to show what your characters are, how they feel quite soon. So basically again, from my writing critique group, I've read a lot of first chapters now and the ones that work really well are the ones that have moments where you can have a chance to empathize or like or become attached to the character because of you know their internal conflicts and things like that quite a few books or first chapters that I've read in these critique sessions they don't tend to put much flavor of their character in the first few scenes and you end up reading it and just being like, I don't really get this person. Like this has happened to them. They haven't react, like they haven't really reacted. Is that because they're cold and, you know, clinical and that's just who they are because I'm not really vibing with that. Or is it just because you haven't put in some of, you know, their, how they would react or some of their, I guess, feelings or anything like that. So we don't have a real connection with them. Um, so yeah, mm. from the past couple of weeks, I would say that's something to keep in mind. And if it's intentional and that's how you want your character to come across, then totally fine. But, you know, if not, you might want just, to, it doesn't need to be heavy handed or over the top, but just some things that make you 
care and like or dislike or empathize or whatever it is um, with your with the protagonist that you're trying to show. Hopefully that's come across clear. Mm, I think a good exercise if you're struggling as well to think about how your character might react in a certain situation, especially if you're starting a book and not coming back. Like I, I do recommend coming back to the first chapter, but obviously you have to start somewhere and it can be helpful to, you know, like as you're navigating your everyday life, like a lot of people talk about living with their characters in their head and it can be helpful to be like, how would my char- character react to this situation that I'm in currently? And in a strange way, that I, I feel like I do this sometimes. It's, I, what I find interesting is like characters that we've lived for with for so long. <laughs> we've lived for. I live <laughs> Characters that we've lived with for so long. Like Lizzie, for example. Even though I created her character, sometimes I feel like her character helps me. <laughs> I gain strength from my character and I'm like I know that like logically it's like a part of me anyway so it's like that strength is actually there but I'm like what would Lizzie do in this situation Lizzie would be like ah no you are not doing this to me (laughs) how dare you you have occasionally messaged me and you'll be like uh this thing happened so Lizzie or like something (laughs) like that you're like oh my god (laughs) but yeah so you know it has benefits too. I mean, not that I would act like Lizzie in every situation because she makes some very questionable choices. Life choices, she does. But, they all do. <laughs> but it, it can be quite helpful just to, to have that in the back of your mind if you're starting with a new character. It's what would they do in this situation? How would they act? What are their thoughts regarding this very emotional topic <laughs> or something like that, you know? And then you start to gain a better sense of them. Definitely. So I've never, oh, I never consciously do it. Um, I don't think with our when the rain falls characters, but I do occasionally. You'll be like, "Hmm, this is a very grace thing to be doing," <laughs> or you know, Levi would definitely like do this or whatever it is. So, but it yeah. could definitely, it might be something to consider sometimes when we get stuck in the um, ancient Greece book, which occasionally, I've you know, occasionally struggle to you know, get in the head of a couple of the characters. Might be a good way to think about it. Simon Cop. <laughs> Both of us struggle with Simon. Oh my God. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what the feedback says on about the Simon chapters. <laughs> it will be. It'll be really interesting. Anyway, so finally, you know, we've written a series. So the first book of a series, we obviously have written one. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that first book and what it needs to achieve or if it needs to achieve anything special and I guess that kind of leads into how you plan out a series whether you plan it out in full or kind of go with the flow or somewhere in between do you want to go first Sarah? I can I'm gonna take a slightly wayward approach here to talking about it (laughs) and I'm going to get into story structure a bit here So thinking about story structure, it's easiest to think about it in terms of a novel first. So each novel, as we know, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, And the story grid, which is the structure I'm going to use because it's the one I'm most familiar with, they call it the beginning hook, the middle build, and the ending payoff. 
um, in the hook, there is an inciting incident that reels the readers in and keeps them firmly ensnared in your story. The inciting incident forces your character's life to change in some way and disrupts the world as they know it. And they have to decide during the beginning hook what they're going to do about this incident. In the beginning hook, it also lays out what is at stake and the character's wants. And we begin to see what they actually need versus what they want. And so then you move on to the middle build, um, which is where the tension mounts. They face challenges, have losses and victories that spur them on. And usually towards the end of the middle build, there's the character's sort of deepest, darkest moment where they're unsure whether they have the strength to continue in their quest. And in the ending payoff, they make one final battle charge in hopes of solving their problems. And note that it does not necessarily have to be in their favor, though. So that's the gist of story structure in a nutshell. But you can, getting to the point of all this, you can <laughs> take story structure and apply it over a whole series. So if you're writing the first of a trilogy, for example, the first book would then become the beginning hook and open the wider storyline, while the second novel might be fraught with challenges and the third would be a final push, win or lose. But the story structure still applies to each individual book too. So while if you're looking at writing a series, you're going to make the first book about that beginning hook and you're introducing all the characters, you're introducing a broader situation, you're also going to have to include on a smaller scale the sort of situation that kind of starts it all off and your middle build and ending payoff to that first wider beginning hook. And, you know, you can go even more microscopic about it and start looking at using this structure within a single chapter and then within a single scene and even within a single paragraph. So I think if you view it that way, like each piece has these three sections and then but each build to provide like a broader arc, then it becomes a bit clearer on how you might develop that first novel. That's a very good way of describing it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, oh, sorry, I was trying to think of like other trilogies. And you're like, I guess a lot, whether it it's doesn't, It doesn't even have follow. to be in trilogies. Like for example, and you don't need to necessarily have them planned out to the max either because for example, the Black Sky series that we have, we haven't finished it yet. We think there might be four or five books in the series. We're not 100% sure. I kind of feel that it's going to be five. And the reason why I say that is partly because from a broader perspective, I can see that like probably like the first book and a half is like the beginning and hook. And then you know, you can see the middle build in the second and third. And I feel like especially with the third is like the deepest, darkest moment kind of part. And uh, yeah. so that kind of makes me feel like there's a bit more just to finish off that middle build before we get to the final payoff. And if we're in the third book, I feel like it's probably going to end up rounding out at five because we're maybe just a bit over halfway. That probably would make sense. I can, I've kind of had that feeling because I, whenever I sort of think about it, I'm like, oh, four books, like that fourth book might be like 
massive if you try and fit everything into that one. And we are, like we said at the start, notoriously jam-packed stuff. And often you need to like space it out just a little bit. So by doing that, we'll probably need the fifth one, just from kind of that perspective, I guess. But we'll see. So it's interesting that from that arc, you can kind of look and see along the point, like where you are within that arc. So, you know, like I can forecast that it's probably going to be a five book series, but, you know, we're not 100% sure yet. And we'll kind of see how it pans out. Yes, we don't. Well, and for the ancient Greece one, we have no, we know where we want it to go, but we don't really know how many books it will be, I guess, at all at this stage. Nope. <laughs> we it's shall interesting see. Interesting to see whether it follows like the same. I guess it probably will, but it's quite interesting to see how these arcs are created, even without you knowing. So, don't yeah. stress too much about like following it to a T but it's good to have in the back of your mind so that you're like hey you know these are sort of the conventions of what's going to be happening in this first book and if I'm introducing a wider series I've got to think about creating questions and like all these things that we talked about but on a grander scale mm-hmm. I think I guess the one thing I'd add is I I know a lot of people like to just go with the flow but I think it's probably a good idea with a series to at least know what you want to achieve at the end whether or not you figured out all the bits in between at least have what the outcome like sort of event you want to happen so that you're building to that and not getting too lost along the way there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit lost you know and want meandering around a little bit but you don't want a series that just drags on and on and on and on and on while you try and figure out how to end it yeah I mean I did want to say there are series out there that don't adhere to this and those are the types like um the Jack Reacher series for example oh yeah that just follow a character and they don't really have character development Clive Cussler sort of episodic sort of one yeah episodic they solve like a problem and then they they move on and solve a different problem and move on and so I mean you can do it that way but I wouldn't really call them like a series in the sense of a word like most people think of yeah where it's like an expanded story yeah and it's spread over where it follows like one character's growth because those characters typically don't really grow they might have like some sort of random subplot that pulls through but yeah but even their subplots are fairly empty-ish yeah because I read a lot of Clive Cussler and there's like a semi-side plot love triangle thing that kind of goes through but there's not a lot of anything else yeah it's more adventure which is what people read them for anyways Mm -hmm. I think that wraps that up very well you have a very good (laughs) overview of um writing series yeah I was just gonna say actually so one more thing about I just remembered when you were talking about knowing where to go is yeah I think the story structure can be helpful for that because you might not have a hundred percent decided, but you know, you generally know, okay, there's going to be a final ending payoff. Is the character going to like lose it all? Are they going to win it all? You know, what is going to be the final payoff and the result? And so from that, you can kind of get a bit more direction in the types of challenges that the character is going to go through. If they're going to lose everything for an example like maybe this is a story of like morality so you know maybe the character makes all these bad decisions and that's how they end up like losing everything 
that's important to them in this storyline. So maybe you just want an incredibly tragic tale. I don't know. But, you know, like these end points, like these broad generalized end points of the idea of a payoff is like, what is your payoff going to be? And so that gives you an idea of the sorts of things your character needs to go through. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Helpful. Helping you sort of plan out a novel. So I do think it is definitely important to have some idea of where it's going. So the story structure does sound like it's beneficial to at least sketch a rough outline and help yeah. you make some decisions along the way. You can go as detailed or as broad as you want. I feel with the story structures, there's a lot of them out there. You don't need to adhere to them like 100%. Yeah, we don't like strictly, strictly stick to them. They are helpful. They're helpful for sure. With that, should we move on to mistakes of the month then? Sure. I'll go first, mainly because okay. I don't really have much to say. As as we talked about, I wrote probably a few hundred words. <laughs> That's okay. Very little. The only thing that I'm going to pull up is the hilarious mistake that Ashley's writing group found in my first chapter for our Ancient Crease book. And it was a slightly embarrassing mistake because usually when you make them, you're like, oh, I knew that. Why did I write it like that? This one was like pure ignorance. <laughs> Where I legitimately thought the word thrifty meant like spending a whole lot of money when it turns out it means the exact opposite. <laughs> and so I like completely contradicted myself in this like these couple of sentences. And then like when I was looking it up, I was like, what? what <laughs> like my mind is blown I didn't know this <laughs> and then I like started searching up like synonyms and antonyms and I was like ah I feel like at some point I came across the word like spend thrift and then I thought that like thrifty was maybe describing a spend thrift it's so funny so I was like this is where I've gotten confused well at least you know now and it has been clarified <laughs> You learn new things every day, guys. Every day. Quite embarrassing, but very funny. Anyways, so what are your mistakes of the month? I've got a few. They're from two different chapters, actually. The first one, I just found hilarious. I just, I laughed so hard when I found it. But anyways, so it's Boshan Swine, one of the Spartans snarled, kicking so-and-so's uh, head towards the wall. I skipped along the paved floor, eventually resting against the wall. It should be it, but the I skipped along the paved floor. I was just like, oh my God, especially because of the scene that it's in is like so intense. And I was just like, oh my God, I just imagine him like, doo, 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 like just skipping along, leaning against the far wall and like watching the whole scene unfold. <laughs> Found it quite funny. Not worried at all about like this head. No. That's been kicked towards the wall. <laughs> no, just skipping along, having a great time. That's funny. My next one is, Ismenius tapped his ring-adorned fingers on the table, a smile playing on his lisp. <laughs> <laughs> so amusing, especially when you know the, well, if you knew the type of character Ismenius was, you're like, he's not um, lisping or having a smile playing on his lisp either. This next one is fairly recent but then I did delete the whole section but I thought I'd keep it in anyways because it was amusing 
So Tim knees crossed his arm. He has two arms. He does not have one arm. I read it and then I was like, because I don't actually describe anything else about him. I was like, hmm, it does sound like he has one arm. one arm. I don't know either. I'm but like yeah. imagining it like kind of twisted, gnarled. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. So, so those are the three that I found recently. My favorite is definitely that I skipped along the floor. So good. Yeah. That one's great. Anyways, we should probably definitely wrap this up now. Yeah. Okay, so there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section. Uh, if you would like to apply for this, then please visit lindersoncreations.com and hover your mouse over the podcast um, drop down in the main menu and you'll find uh, Be Featured on Dear Writer. Um, and next time on Dear Writer, it's another one of our culture and creativity episodes. And we thought carrying on from our discussion about playing games to help boost your creativity, we thought we'd have a go at playing a story cube game and sort of see where that takes us creativity wise. So we'll see. That should be a fun time, I think. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. And if you would like to know more about us and any of our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or you can get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindersoncreations. And yeah, we'll be back next week. So happy writing, everyone. Bye.